What's up, ladies? Welcome to the Urban Christian Woman Podcast, where we seek to restore women with God's truth for their everyday lives. I'm Tashiba Oliver. And I'm Leah Ross, and we're your hosts. This season, we've got some exciting things in store. So join us as we study God's Word, celebrate women living faithfully on mission, and dive into cultural issues through a biblical lens. You ready, Tashiba? Girl, yeah, I'm ready. All right, let's Let's go. go. Hey, ladies, and welcome back to the Urban Christian Woman podcast. We are so grateful and excited to be able to have this conversation in a four-part series of books to delight in. And we directly are focusing on this, uh, the concept around and theme around identity. And so it is Leah and I's joy to have Dr. Michelle Lee Barnwall on the podcast today. We feel like she's like a spiritual auntie from a distance. She has auntied us uh, through the conversations of so many things. But tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yes, uh, welcome. 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 Yeah, well, thank you so much. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for asking me to, to join you. I'm really excited to, to be here. Uh, I am an affiliate professor of New Testament at Biola University. I was a full-time professor up until about two years ago uh, when my husband and I up and moved to Nashville because we wanted to get closer to our grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And so we're in a bit of a different season of our life right now. We love the season. Uh, that we have. We love being closer to our grandchildren. Um, but at the same time, I'm still trying to continue to do a little bit of, you know, um, distance teaching with Viola and just continue to do writing. And it's just, you know, and as I say, even some of my experiences here in, in the book that I just wrote, I actually write about some of my experiences in terms of moving to Nashville. So I just feel like, you know, life and theology um, just always go together, right? And we're always, we're always learning mm-hmm. and we're always growing. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So, Dr. Barnwall, in your book, A Longing to Belong, belonging is obviously a major theme in the book. We are created by God to belong. Uh, when and in what ways did you experience that initial longing to belong in your early life? And can I add to, like, tell us about how you came to even writing this book? Like, you're talking about, okay. like, the experience of walking into understanding life and theology. Yeah. Did you feel like you always had this book in you? And yeah, t- tell us about it, how it came to be, and the theme of belonging. Sure. And those are, those are great questions. And no, I did not intend to write this book. I did not really want to write a book, you know, on this topic. Um, but it's just one of those things where things kind of came together. And I thought, well, maybe the Lord has put me in a position where I can, you know, speak um, regarding both my studies and my experience. Mm-hmm. So to begin with, I grew up in northern Minnesota. Uh, my parents are were Korean immigrants. And they we ended up in northern Minnesota, even though my dad wanted to be in New York City. But we ended up in, in northern Minnesota because basically he was a doctor and he had to get a job in order to stay in this country and not be deported. And so this is where the job opened up. It was a job that personally no one else wanted. And so he was willing to take it. And that's how we just ended up there, you know, throughout my years growing up. And needless to say, there's not a lot of Asians in northern Minnesota. There's not a lot of minorities, period. And so I was pretty much growing up, I would be like the only Asian kid in my class or only one of a just a handful of minorities. And what I experienced during that time was really formative in the sense that 
I really felt the sense of, we'll just say not belonging. Um, sometimes it was overt. You know, I walk down the street and kids tease me. They say something, you know, in that. And so you definitely have some of that. But it was also some of the things that are a little bit more subtle. You know, when you're a kid, you just want to fit in, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so you kind of like do what you can to just sit in and be like everyone else. And so I'm trying to do all these things. And then but there would just be, even if it wasn't sort of like overtly saying something to me or doing something, it was just a reminder that I was different. You know what I mean? And some of these things just kind of happened, you know, in that. And so I grew up with a sense of feeling like, because pretty much everyone else was white, the whole world is normal and I am not. Mm-hmm. And so there was a sense of feeling just not quite right in, in this regard. And, and to sort of to make things worse, you know, we didn't really, besides our family being isolated, you know, being the only Asian family there pretty much, we didn't really talk about it in our family. Mm-hmm. And so we really didn't know what to do. So I just kind of grew up with this feeling like I'm the only one who feels this way. There's just something fundamentally wrong with me. And so I kind of, you know, as I kind of went through life, some of the things were just, you know, when I left that town, I went to college, you know, you know, suddenly I felt like, oh, there are other people like me, <laughs> you know, in this. And so that itself was just very, you know, helpful for me to kind of get out of the sense of just, oh, it's just me in that regard. But the other thing that happened was I just, I didn't really plan on it, but I ended up writing my dissertation on 1 Corinthians 12 and on the body of Christ. And as I began to write that, I began to kind of see some things like, wow, this is not just about how to use your spiritual gifts. This is about what it means to be the body of Christ. This is what it means to be a member of the body. And this is about what relationships are in the body. And so as I, you know, kind of went along, you know, and teaching and other things, you know, things kind of happen, you know, on campus, you know, this race becomes a topic on campus. And I began to kind of observe something, you know, how, you know, different people talked about it, feeling like a lot of times people kind of talk over each other. Or someone has a concern, but someone's not hearing the concern because they're hearing something else. And this person has a concern and they're not hearing that. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, my brain is just trying to integrate it in terms of my own process of finding my identity. And then also what I learned, you know, in terms of my studies. And so that's when I kind of felt like, well, maybe I should write something about this. And it would be a combination, both of my experience, my lived experience, but also a theological reflection. And so I thought, well, maybe that's something that might be helpful to people. And that's how I ended up, you know, writing the book. And it and it is very helpful. Um, it is because I I love kind of what you're talking about of this foundational formation of identity, which it sounds like in your story was both like from the normal, quote unquote, being defined as white when you are not, and then a void of an identity in your family life to sort of make sense of that. And then you lay that on top of so that creating that, you know, longing to belong, like your title, like the title of your book, layered on top of what is true in God's word. That is to me, that is practical theology, right? It's like, where does this intersection of what the Bible says help me to make sense of what is happening in my life? And so that's just that's gold. <laughs> we mm-hmm. love it. We love it. We love it. So in um the book, you're talking about these difference, this difference between fitting in and belonging. And like you said, you didn't fit in because it was an all-white town where you grew up. But help us understand how the gospel actually addresses this difference between fitting in and belonging. Yeah, thanks. That's such a good question. Well, when I think about what I was trying to do growing up fit in, it was in a sense kind of superficial. Like one, I didn't want to stand out. 
you know, I mean, that's kind of the immediate thing. So I try to do what everyone else did. So you watch the same TV shows, so you can talk about the same, same TV shows, you eat the same food, you do this, you talk in the same way. I, I wanted to sort of be like everyone else. But ultimately, that's kind of a superficial thing, right? It doesn't really say anything about how we relate to other people, how people relate to me, in a sense, and how we have this, this type of unity. And so for scripture, the idea of belonging that you have in the body of Christ is that the spirit has made us one. Okay, He has connected us. So we are related to one another. But at the same time, we are different. And so we kind of like belong in our differentness. But our differentness shouldn't get in the way of relating to one another. Because what we do is we have these relationships where because we're connected in Christ in the spirit, we have this care for one another. And so when you read 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about having the same kind of care for one another. It says even if we're different because one part might be rejoicing so we want to rejoice with that part the other part might be suffering we want to suffer with that part but god has placed the part you know together in this mm. way so we so we are to belong to one another and one of the things that becomes important is that unity is not just what we do mm-hmm. that he says unity is who we are and as you know in my dissertation i tried to connect this with some of sort of these ancient philosophical concepts that so I kind of concluded that Paul doesn't just say we're like a body, that we function together. We are a body. So we're united. You know, we're, we're one. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about what happens in your body, right? And so if you stub your big toe, all life stops, right? Because you've mm-hmm. got to take care of that body part. And no one has to tell you, hey, take care of your big toe, you know, because that's, you know, part of you. Just automatically do it because it's a part of you. And so what I see Paul doing in terms of this belonging is we learn to care for one another, not just because he says we are to, but because if I know you're a part of me, I want to take care of you because you're you're just you know you're a part of me in Christ. And I just feel like this naturally or supernaturally, you know, that is so much better and so much deeper rather than just saying, oh, make sure that you take care of this person. And ultimately what we're called to do is really what Christ did for us, right? To be able to, to see the other person as better than ourselves, we're willing to lay down our lives, not make myself the center of things, but to say, hey, you know, I care for you because you're a member of the body and you're important and you're created in the image of God and I want to know you and I want to to care for you. Mm-hmm. That's so good. That's so good. There's like these these themes of like, um, you don't, you're not needing sameness in order to have care for one another. Um, and that that care comes out of, I kind of, as I was reading your book, I was thinking about this objective reality and the subjective reality, right? Like w- my husband and I talk about this in the work that we do, but like there's this um, objective reality of us being the body, right? But then there's a subjective reality of, well, how do we experience that with one another? Um, and it's, to me, I'm like, it's, that's so, that's so, so significant. Um, and so I just, I'm so thankful. So thank you for that. Yeah. And you've, uh, Dr. Barwall alluded to first Corinthians 12 as some scriptural framework. I think you use Romans as well in the book, but as we take a, a deep look into this, um, in regards to the theology of this one body, this unity, this identity in Christ. Walk us through some of 
can you walk us through the the biblical framework that you do use and what makes it significant about who we are versus what we must do in this passage? Sure. Uh, you know, First Corinthians 12, we, we do tend to often use it in practical terms because Paul talks about spiritual gifts. And usually the takeaway from for us is that everyone has a spiritual gift and kind of value spiritual gift and contribute to the body. But if you look at how Paul talks about um, the body in 1 Corinthians 12, all the way to 1 Corinthians 14, he never actually gives a command. What he does is he describes relationships. He says, like, for example, the foot can't say because I'm not a hand, I don't belong mm-hmm. in this. So he's not telling the foot, don't do this. He's just saying, you know, the foot has to accept, you should be able to accept that it belongs, even though it might look at another part and be envious. It can't just sort of cut itself off the body. Mm-hmm. That's who it is. You know, it's a foot and it belongs to the body. At the same time, another part can't say to another part, you don't belong because God has created all these parts and they belong together. And the point is, you all are the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. He gives these, as you say, these um, indicative statements about who we are. He doesn't really get to the imperatives of later. And that's why he talks about different kinds of relationships. God has created the parts differently. And yet they're still, they're united. So they should be doing this co-rejoicing, this co-suffering, or they honor one another. This is what the body looks like because it is one in the spirit. And then what you do is you notice that in 1 Corinthians 13, he still doesn't get into what you should do because he's basically talking about, well, now we want to, if the body's already unified in the spirit, we want to create, in a sense, even more unity because this is what the relationship should look like. You know, you are to love one another. This is how you build even greater unity. And so once he's built that foundation, Here's who you are. You're already united in the spirit. Now let's deepen that unity to be able to love one another. It's not until chapter 14 that he really gets into the instruction mm-hmm. where the, the situation in Corinth seems to be there's some kind of disagreement over tongues of prophecy and how we apply it. It's like, well, if you're all one body and you're supposed to, you know, you want to pick this unity of one love and loving one another. Here's how you use prophecy and tongue. What builds up the body? What mm-hmm. is the loving thing to do? Now here's how you apply it. But he's basically spent these two chapters laying this foundation before he gets to say, okay, now I'm going to solve the practical question that that you asked me. Mm, Yeah, because everything that they do has to reflect back on the value of who they are. Yeah. First and foremost, it always has Uh to match that context, which is is super valuable for us and it and it comes back to that unity and even in the multifaceted identity and the differences. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about, you know, in 1 Corinthians, in Romans, and then also in Galatians when Paul is talking about there is no Jew or Greek, often mm-hmm. that um passage has been used to make us think that our differences should be diminished, mm-hmm. right? Well, mm-hmm. what you're saying is that based on Paul's what Paul is saying about who we are, he's saying we do have diverse gifts. We do have diverse mm-hmm. purposes. We do have diverse yeah. expressions huh? of God. And so how can we make sense of our ethnic identities as huh? a part of who we are that makes more sense in light of that Galatians passage? You know, what you said about the objective and subjective reality is so right on in that regard. Because I think what happens is we think that it's one or the other, but really the, the two kind of come together. And so what you have in Galatians 3.28 is in a sense a sort of objective reality that, you know, in the spirit, because, you know, in sort of the context of Galatians, Paul is saying um, that now Gentiles are included. You don't have to be a Jew. You don't have to, you know, follow the Jewish law. You know, the gospel, you know, is open to everyone. We're all children of Abraham. We're all, 
you know, um, sons and daughters of God in terms of salvation. Mm-hmm. Okay. You don't have these distinctions anymore. Okay. It's all, it's about faith in Christ. So we're all, mm-hmm. you know, members of the kingdom of God. You're not going to have these distinctions, but there's something else that when you look at scripture, there are other places. And what Paul very clearly, I think, talks about the integrity of our racial and ethnic identity. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say that they, they no longer matter. It would be something like Romans 1.16, where he says, it's interesting, he brings both. He says, the gospel is for everyone, first to the Jew, then to the Greek. Okay, mm-hmm. so there he, he does them both at the same time. But the other thing that I think are, is interesting, you see other sort of glimpses of the, this in other passages. For example, in Acts 15, you have what's called the Apostolic Council, where there's this question in terms of, well, the, the church was originally Jewish, you know, Jesus is a Jew, and so it starts out as this Jewish movement. Now the Gentiles are coming in, and you have this question, well, what do you do with the Gentiles? If this right. is a Jewish movement, do the, do the Gentiles need to become Jews? So they have this Apostolic Council, and they decide, no, you know, they don't need to, the Gentiles don't need to become Jews, um, so they, you know, they don't need to do all the Jewish things. They don't need to follow the Jewish rituals. They don't need to be circumcised mm-hmm. in a sense. Let them be Gentiles in that regard. They're still Christian. Mm. And then you have a, the other thing, and on the other side, in Romans 14, you have another conflict between Jews and Gentiles. Here the conflict is, you know, the Jews are sort of continuing to, you know, follow the law in terms of food and special days. And there's sort of conflict with the Gentiles who aren't doing this. So they, so, you know, Paul is trying to sort of sell this dispute and he does say, which is very interesting. He actually does say, it's like, well, actually, you know, the Gentiles are right. You know, you don't need to, you know, you know, follow these rules about special foods and all that. But he essentially says, let the Jews continue if that's what they want. You know, if as long as it's not interfering with their, you know, notion of salvation, they're not doing it for salvation. Let them do that. Let the Jews be Jews. And I think that that's just, you know, when I look at the early church, this is what Paul had to do. You know, now he's taking in these two, these two groups that hated one another mm-hmm. and have very strong ethnic identities. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, I want you to be one. You're going to fellowship together. You're going to care for one another. But, you know, if the Jew wants to do this, let them do this part of the Jewish identity. If the Gentile wants to hold their Gentile identity in this way, let them do that. Mm-hmm. You don't have to all become one to be united, which makes it very tricky, right? Because we're not becoming the same, but somehow the Jew and Gentile, being Jew and Gentile, are still supposed to fellowship together. But Paul holds that, as he said, it's the objective and the subjective reality because Jews and Gentiles would have very different experiences Mm -hmm. in life and with one another. Yeah, yeah. And even the expression of their faith, like Mm -hmm. it's such an encouragement that you don't have to lay down your cultural expression of your faith in order to be a Christian. Yeah, and I think that's what's, yeah, that's mm-hmm. what's so rich about what you're saying. And I think it's the same thing. That's why I love scripture so much, right? Because there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing yeah. new under the orchestration of scripture. And the fact that he's speaking to, Paul is speaking to us and saying, because you have salvation, salvation is the essential. Your ethnic identity is is not just um, important and value, but you don't lay it aside. You don't lay it aside. Meaning that when we are in Christ, we, ex- we, we reveal the expansiveness of God's kingdom mm-hmm. 
when uh-huh. we actually embody the gospel in our ethnic identities. And so as you were saying, and I love the fact that you were also saying that these were two major ethnic groups. Mm -hmm. Jews were a major ethnic group. Gentiles were a major ethnic group at this time. With very strong identities. With very strong cultural identities. And I think that within us, there is this sort of war within us to sort of pull back, especially when we're coming from very strong ethnic identity cultures, right? And and it is, Jesus is saying like, no, I need you to still reflect that in the midst of the gospel because it reveals that the gospel is for everyone. Mm-hmm. It is for everyone. Ladies, if you're enjoying the ministry and content of The Urban Christian Woman, would you take a minute to write a review and give us a rating on iTunes? Our goal is to get truth into the hands of urban women. You can help us by leaving even a one-sentence review and some stars. This simple act will help increase our visibility for more women to find this podcast and resources to help equip them in their everyday lives. So girl, what you waiting for? Just go ahead and do it right now. And if you haven't yet, join our community on social media. You can find us on Instagram at The Urban Christian Woman, Facebook, The Urban Christian Woman, and on our website, which is theurbanchristianwoman.com. I would say even go further than that, because for Paul, this idea that we are different, I mean, and he says, continue expressing that different and be one is something, you know, to sort of like be, you know, you know, be this ethnic identity. And he calls us to be one. He says, this is supposed to be a testimony to the world. Yes. Of the love of God, the love of Jesus. Because you look at what happens in the world when you have ethnic identity. People fight, they war, they, they hurt each other. Wow. That's a natural expression. So Paul's saying it's like the mystery of the gospel is how Jew and Gentile can actually be Jew and Gentile and come mm. together. And there's something about the power of the gospel that mm. is supposed to, you know, that okay. we express our differences. And yet with the love of Jesus, we love one another. And this it's one of the main things which is supposed to make us different from the world. Wow. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you, you're just now meeting us, uh, but you know, what is true about us is we want to get up and take a lap. When you we want to take a lap right now, like a black the church lap, run around the whole church building and you got your hands, something my hands, because it's so good. And it it's is so true. It and is. it's so amazing to gaze on the goodness of God and the mystery of the gospel mm-hmm. and to say, this is why yes. it stands yeah. out. And this is yes. why it stood out then. And this is why yeah. it stands out now. And the power of it has not changed because, you know, we, I think we do gloss over this biblical history of like, oh, the early church, yeah. like, you know, they were having yeah. meals and they were sharing everything and right. they were having prayer mm-hmm. sessions all night. And not thinking about, no, there really was ethnic conflict. There were ethnic identity issues that affected their being and belonging together. Yeah. And so like, let's go even deeper. You you already talked about like, those existed. What were some of the other ones that existed at that time that the prejudices of the early church had to overcome? Are you talking about the Jew-Gentile prejudice or are you talking about, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, if you were to think about the Jew-Gentile, I mean, they just have like, like a long history, you know, of being suspicious and hating one another. 
you have basically the Jews who have been oppressed by the Gentiles for you know for so long mm-hmm. in this regard, and just like horrible things, being persecuted just for their you know religious beliefs or for being different in that regard, and always being <clears throat> continually being you know, oppressed by other nations. But for the Gentiles too, I think they had this resentment towards the Jews because they are claiming to be special. You know, mm-hmm. we have the law, you don't. You know, we're the ones who are holy. You are the you know you are the heathens in this regard, and they're very you know, separate in that regard. They don't follow, they don't really integrate, you know, in terms of the, you know, the Greco-Roman customs, you know, in this regard. And there's this, you know, no, you definitely can't intermarry with you. Mm -hmm. You know, we're just kind of separate and they become, you know, kind of suspicious of them. But and then also in addition to that, they have these sort of like longstanding, you know, suspicions and problems with one another. As you mentioned, these sort of strong ethnic identities. And one of the things in antiquity is, you know, the groups don't like the other groups, you know, in that regard. And so the Jew will just, you know, sort of like hate a Gentile because they're a Gentile, mm-hmm. or the Gentile will hate a Jew simply because they're a Jew. And so these are the things that get passed on through the generations. And these are what the children learn. The Gentiles did this to this, or the Jews are, you know, like this. And you're talking about a culture in which it was just very normal, very practiced to, we might just say, so stereotype or have these group identities. You know, there's this terrific passage in Titus 1.12 that someone pointed out to me one time. It's just one of those little kind of like throwaway verses you don't think about until someone pointed out to me. But in, in Titus 1.12, you know, someone's quoting a prophet and he's, he's talking about one of the Greek, Greek groups. He says, Cretans are, I think when he says, Cretans are liars, um, evil beasts, mm-hmm. and lazy buttons. And mm-hmm. that's what they did. Like this group of people is this. And so everyone is like this. And you sort of think like, well, here's these strong ethnic identities, you know, how can you as a Jew accept someone who is a Gentile? Because you believe all Gentiles are like this. All Gentiles are the enemy or all Jews are like this. How do you kind of overcome that? Because, you know, a history of, you know, if, you know, if the Romans like oppressed your ancestors, they're oppressing you in that regard too. And that's just really hard to that. You might even say that also becomes part of their identity too. It's really not something that's easy to to get over. Mm. Mm. We see that today. Like, can I just say that? We see that today. I mean, I it's it's mind-blowing that even that baggage, if you will, let's just name it that way, is still carried on today. And so, I mean, like by the grace of God, we have to gaze at his word and see that there is hope in the gospel to overcome the same struggles that existed in antiquity, Mm -hmm. like you said. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Leah, I think that's a great segue um, because as Christian women, we can find comfort in knowing that we do belong to God. Right. And Dr. Barnwall, our podcast is geared toward holistic discipleship. So how would you disciple us today as urban women, women of color, women who live in the city around resting in God for our identity and belonging? Yeah. Thanks for asking that question. Because again, just a really um, uh, meaningful question. Maybe one thing that just comes to mind in terms of that is we really need to spend time um, with God and in his word. And that one of the things I think about is we live in a culture that we're very fast. And I mean, there's so much thing, there's so much that is thrown at us, so much information. We're called to go from one thing to another. We do learn to live, I think, on a very superficial level. Because there's mm-hmm. so much that needs to be done, so much information, mm-hmm. you know, that needs to be processed. But to simply be able to sit, you know, with 
God. I mean, one of the things that I think has been a blessing for me as we've moved is I've had a little bit more time to just kind of sit. Whereas before, I feel like my life was always running from one thing to another to another thing, kind of getting things done. And oh, here I kind of like, oh, now I can spend 10 minutes with God. But I think something happens when you just spend that time with God. And it's not simply on our agenda because I need to pray about X, Y, and Z. But I can spend time being with God okay? mm. and sort of be in his presence. And, and you know, that does things to us that, you know, it's different than if I'm just, you know, picking up information here and there. And then also just, I think we need to just spend time in his word and just meditate on his word and rest in that. Um, because the other thing, someone pointed out to me the other day, they were just saying something about, if you think about how many messages we get every day, whether it's like pop-up ads mm-hmm. or driving down the road, billboards yes. or watching the news, but we are bombarded with all of these messages. And if you think about how much information proportionately we take in, you know, from the world versus how much we're taking in every day, or even if I spend an hour in quiet time, but I am bombarded with this. So I just think it's just, you know, absolutely necessary for us to be kind of saturated you know, in the world. Otherwise, we're just kind of sending off, you know, these messages, you know, from the world without really getting into, you know, this uh, being with God, being in his worldview, you know, being, you know, you know, in the kingdom. So I just mm-hmm. think that and I know it's hard, you know, when, when people are busy, how do we, you know, do this? But I think maybe even if, you know, when you have spare moments during the day to just kind of stop and reflect and to pray and to, and to do that. And somehow, you know, in the busyness and you've got, you know, young children, I'm sure you have lots of time, right? <laughs> to be able to, to do that. <laughs> um, how can we find that time in the busyness mm, of our day? Yeah. And then, yeah. so I think that's important. And maybe also just in a practical sense too, just kind of realizing that, you know, we have seasons, you know, in our life, you know, in that. And what season does God have you in now? We cannot do everything, you know, in that regard, but we do have seasons in our life but we do know that God is constant in, in this regard. Mm-hmm. Um, but somehow, even when we don't have time, I guess that's the thing. It, it, we, we have to spend that, you know, time with God, but maybe it's even, you know, maybe even as I'm, you know, doing laundry or doing this, you know, am I, you know, being open to, mm-hmm. you know, what God is doing? Mm, yeah, that's so good. And mm-hmm. especially in our context, our listeners are urban women. And I've heard someone say before that like when you live in a city, it's like the volume yeah. is turned up. All the things, mm-hmm. all the lights, all the noise, all the distractions, yeah. all the things, another museum to visit, another activity mm-hmm. to do, another, you yeah. know, and so it's hard to stop as women and just turn down the volume on all that. But it's so necessary because what you're saying is, we won't be rooted in our identity and belonging with God unless we just take the time to turn down the volume and be with the Lord. Um, And so I really appreciate that wisdom from you. And you've just been giving us so much wisdom as our um, newly adopted Korean auntie. Can we just say that you're our newly adopted (laughs) Korean auntie? Because we're family in Christ. We love it. Oh, it's so wonderful I, to have you. Yes, it's it's yeah. been a joy. Um, but I do want to carve out some space for you to speak to other Korean sisters or other Asian sisters um, who might be listening and are specifically wrestling with the type of belonging and identity in the church that you have experienced. Are there any words of wisdom that you want to pass on to our sisters in that way? 
Well, maybe one thing I would think about is, is just think about maybe what it was like for me growing up is the one first thing that comes to mind is just to say that you are not alone. Mm. Uh, one thing in the Asian community is I have to say we're not always the best at talking about these things. And so sometimes they're just not brought up. They're just not talked about. So I just want to say that if you do feel like this sense, you know, there's something wrong with you, you know, you're not normal or like, why is this happening or having these questions? You are not alone. Um, you know, there are other people who are experiencing. I think there's a lot of experiences you talked about. Just, you know, I mean, it's not just Asians who may be you know, experiencing that. And so just, you know, for me, I just kind of thought, oh, there's something wrong with me, you know, and it's just me. So I just want to say, no, it's not you. And you're not alone in that. And the other thing, too, is maybe just it's okay to struggle with that. It's not something that will automatically be taken care of overnight. And even for me, I'm still wrestling, you know, with things. To what extent does, you know, being Korean, you know, impact how I think about myself and, you know, being a Christian and that. So these are things that really for the rest of our lives, we're really trying to integrate because we're living life here. I mean, um, we are bodily people. We're living in the world. We're coming through experience with different experiences. And so we will continually be wrestling with, you know, that that sense of identity. So don't feel like you've kind of got, oh, it's just like, okay, I'm my identity is in Christ and that's it. You know, our daily encounters, you know, will shape us. And so it's okay to continually be developing um, your identity. And but other underlying it all is to know that God created you. And because he created you, he loves you. And he also loves the way he created you. Okay. And just to kind of, you know, that is the truth. And even if you're going through seasons where you're not getting that message from people around you, um, if you can just cling to that, um, that this is how God sees you and he knows you and he knows what you're, you know, you're going through and, and he is, he is there for you. Mm, yeah, thank you so much. That's really rich wisdom um, and we appreciate it. Ladies, if you have not gotten <laughs> Dr. Barnwell's book, A Longing mm. to Belong, came out in October, at the beginning of October, go and get it. Um, it will bless you. Um, we are continuing to be blessed by your words. And so um, as we typically do our fashion, we would just ask you to um, just say a blessing over our listeners um, as we close. Would you do that for us? Yeah, I'd love to. Lord, I just thank you so much for this time that we've had. And I just thank you just for these women whose hearts are for you and want to understand your gospel and to wonder, understand your word and to understand how you've created us. And so, Father, I just ask that you bless them in the lives that they have, lives that are full, lives that can be very crowded, and you are calling to each one of us. So, Lord, I pray that you would meet them where they are, Lord, that you would bless them, that you would show them that they are loved, that they are special, that they have been created by you, and that they matter to you. So thank you so much um, for this time, Lord. I ask that you would just be with us as we go forth, Lord. Help us to rest in your love and help us to grow in our knowledge of who you are and how we can love others, Lord how we can love them better, Lord, and we can be a witness to your son and to the gospel. Just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.